Welcome to Opening the Door Podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today you'll hear a conversation I had with Evelyn. We chat about hypnotist work, astrology, tarot, past lives, and everything in between. This is such a fun episode because I pretty much knew nothing about hypnotism, so I learned a lot and I think that you will too. Before we jump into the episode, I want to let you know that I'm planning a Q&A episode for later this summer, so go ahead and email me your questions, your spiritual questions, and your spiritual stories. Love to hear them. You can email me at openingthedoorpodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy, and remember, don't be afraid to open your door. Today, we're welcoming Evelyn to Opening the Door. Evelyn Zool, Libra Sun, Scorpio Rising, Taurus Moon, is a Korean-American astrologer, consulting hypnotist, mystic, writer, and forever seeker of the greater universal mysteries. She dove deep into the esoteric arts starting in 2012 when she surrendered to the divine for the purpose of healing her body from severe eczema. The quest for personal healing exposed her to a myriad of energy practices along with multiple lifestyle changes. Evelyn studied astrology under Franciscus Huberts and Jack Tobe of the Carol Ryder Astrological Foundation, Penelope Sitter, Dr. Craig Martin, and loads more. She received her consulting hypnotist certification through the National Guild of Hypnotists in 2020, specializing in past life and age regression therapy. As a tarot reader, Evelyn blends her astrological knowledge with the tarot in her interpretation and weaves their archetypes with planetary myths. Evelyn is also the owner of a former mystical shop, the Mystic Parlor in Yucca Valley, but has since closed the retail side and continues focusing on client and one-on-one work. Evelyn's greatest passion is guiding others on their path to self-knowing. Evelyn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I have dogs in the background, so I apologize for that. No worries. <laughs> no worries at all. But thank you for having me. Yes. Appreciate yeah. It. So excited to chat with you today and learn about your journey and get into all the good stuff that's mentioned in your bio. So can you, we obviously your, your bio goes over a little bit about how your spiritual journey started, but can we dig in that to that a little bit more and how you got to where your practices today? Well, it's been quite a journey. I'm 35 now. So, you know, it's been, I suppose, my whole life is the journey. And it continues probably until the end, my last breath. But I would say I grew up in a spiritual household. My mother um, is religious but also very spiritual as well I don't think that those two are synonymous and so I grew up with a mom who explored you know the uh, speaking in tongue um, having sort of more mystical experiences in the Christian realm I never personally identified with it but I knew that I had some kind of connection that was unique for me. So I always was curious about the unknown mysteries, what else is out there, the unseen. And, you know, throughout the process of my life, like you, you know, ebb and flow of interests. And I got back really into it in 2012. 
as you mentioned uh, in my intro, where I was suffering from debilitating eczema, and it got to a point where I kind of just surrendered. Like, if this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life, then something's got to change. I just was at my wits end, basically. And, you know, when you're at the last, (laughs) your last hope for something, you kind of reach out to some a greater force beyond you. So that's sort of when it all started, I guess, for me, it was like, just in the shower, like, hey, kind of, uh, you know, the classic uh, bargain with God, so to speak, or whatever you want to call it, just like, you know, I need help. I need help to work through this. If, you know, if you are real, <laughs> if, you know, you are as great and powerful, then help me. I need help. And in return, I will promise to help other people. And after that, things just started falling into place. You know, I had the whole classic waking up at 3 a.m. every night, um, you know, like hearing things, just sort of being kind of in that, what they say, the dark shadow or the uh, night of the dark night of the soul process, you know, couldn't eat certain foods anymore, had to completely change my diet, change my lifestyle, change everything that I was doing, you know, shifted all my social groups, like, you know, everything just got kind of flipped, turned upside down. And through that process, I decided to take astrology more seriously. I'd always been interested in it, but I never dove too much into it. I was a photographer at the time and I had graduated with a BA in photography. So that was my main focus and never really thought I would get to, you know, I never thought of it as a profession, but something that I wanted to dive into just for my own intellectual pleasures and considered that I would do that maybe later on in life. Like it would be maybe a retirement plan or something or when I get bored. (laughs) Um, But that, yeah, brought me into so many different pathways of spiritual awarenesses and different modalities and techniques and things I'd never heard of, you know, like at that point in my life. So that's kind of where it all began. I love it. I think one of the coolest things that happens when, you know, we sort of, we can call it a spiritual awakening when, when anybody has a spiritual awakening is realizing how expansive the spiritual space is. Like there's so much there's so many little niches to learn about and and so many cool things to to dive into. It really feels endless almost. Like you said, like spirituality and learning about spirituality and all that stuff is really a lifelong process. You know, I love what you said about probably until the day I go, it's going to be, you know, learning and and you know, just you know, continuing to expand on education and and understanding how the world works physically and spiritually. So cool. So one of the things mentioned in your bio is hypnosis. And that is so interesting to me. It's something that we haven't covered on the podcast yet. And you sort of specialize in past life regression and age regression having to do with hypnosis. Can you 
talk about your experiencing your experience learning about hypnosis and, and what that was like. Sure. I learned from a few different people. So um, the first course that I did in 2020 was focused on past life regression and uh, age regression from a more, I would say, matriarchal form of hypnosis. There's all different styles. And traditionally, hypnosis, I in my opinion, has been quite patriarchal in terms that it's been more um, dominated by kind of a masculine approach. And so I really appreciated learning from a woman who came from a more spiritual background with hypnosis at first, because she talked about, you know, consent and what's appropriate and how to navigate someone's ethereal body and protect them with light. And because she saw it as a a very spiritual experience where you're actually leaving your body to go somewhere. So she really taught and harnessed the concept of protecting the body while you're going on a journey through past life regression work or even age regression work. And then after that, I wanted to learn a bit more about the kind of, I don't know what the term would be, but maybe the more of the psychological aspects of hypnosis. So like smoking cessation, like fears and, you know, anxiety, depression, things like that. So then I learned in a more patriarchal process for that, um, which was much more linear, much more academic. And so I, I like that I got those two different experiences because it kind of bridged or merged um, it made it more wholesome, I suppose. Yeah. That sounds like a, a really holistic approach. And I love that. What was it like, like the first time you, you know, helped somebody into hypnosis or I guess hypnotize somebody is the proper term. Maybe what did that feel like? I, I can imagine that it might've felt very like nerve wracking to, to like do that on somebody at first. So I'm wondering if you can just speak to that a little bit, like how did it feel to when you first started really doing this in in practice with clients or people who were allowing you to practice on them? Yeah, we, um, so in the course, we did that with each other. We practiced on each other um, every day. So you get to feel, and in front of everyone. So, um, so you get to, and then you get like the critique afterwards. So it feels like it's very, Interesting because you don't get any feedback from the client. You don't right. have any idea what's going on inside of them, where they're at, what they're feeling, what experiences they're having. So it's an interesting process of trust and having faith in that it's working. I mean, there's little things that are hints that, you know, like there's everyone has bodily signifiers of being hypnotized like twitching or like rapid eye movement breathing changes and breathing fluctuations um but other than that it's all really 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 subtle so the process was learning to trust that it it works because i think too when you first start hypnosis and i think 
the general concept of hypnosis or I don't know when you first think about it it's kind of like well is it real does it work is this a, like because it's so internal and you don't mm-hmm. have a like a you know a way of quantifying it in real life like it's hard to scientifically quantify what's happening right. to somebody um except their own experiences but the first time yeah I was in front of everyone it was it it worked <laughs> it, it's and it really surprised me what i learned the most was that it's extremely easy to hypnotize people and wow <laughs> and it's very easy to be hypnotized in our everyday lives and the misconception around hypnosis in general is that in order to be hypnotized you have to be completely knocked out unconscious and then you wake up and you don't realize what happened but that's a completely different and com- like a totally different form of hypnosis that's like meant for shock and awe but in reality when you go into hip- a hypnotized state we're we're in hypnosis all the time like when you're washing your dishes and your mind is going elsewhere and when you're working out when you're driving a car when you're watching tv those are all forms of hypnosis and so when i learned about how easy it is for us to be in that state it made me start thinking more critically about what is unconsciously merging into my mind in my unconscious world and just being more aware of what I'm putting into my my brain I suppose my brain space yeah I feel like as soon as you were talking about that that's what I started thinking about too like wow there's so many times when yeah I'm washing the dishes or it's like it's like when you're driving and it just happened to me today I was driving and I started driving and then I was like did I go through go because it was green or did I go because the other car in front of me went? Do you know what I mean? Like there's like this almost lack of presence. And I think, yeah, that really started when you were talking about that really made me think about that. And I guess we should define for people. Um, can you define for us the difference between like when a lot of the time when people think of hypno- hypnosis, especially myself, I think I'm going to learn a lot from this interview is sort of like that the party trick. Yeah. Like a guy comes and he hypnotizes you know, a few people on stage and they say this or do that. And, and it's like a party trick, right? So can you explain to us sort of the difference between that and, you know, some of the work that you do with um, sort of on the spiritual side of things, past life regressions and things like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I learned from my teacher, the first teacher about how she really did not like the concept of stage hypnosis because of the consent that is not a part of the process and it really turns off a lot of people to hypnosis too because yeah there's you know they the hypnotist will do certain techniques which is creating confusion and chaos for someone and through that confusion then through like instantaneous sort of shock processes like tugging on the arm or like pushing on someone really hard or like, you know, you wave your fingers and you say a bunch of mumbo jumbo and then you like pull them. It, it creates this, uh, fawn. It was like, it's basically a fight or flight reaction that you're inducing into somebody and which will create 
a process for them to leave their body. It's extremely dangerous to do that, especially when you're not harnessing a spiritual foundation for that, because, you know, there could be entities around, there could be leeches, there could be energetic vampires, there could be things floating around energetically that see, oh, this person's unconscious. Oh, they're out. I can just slip right through. So yeah, I learned from my first teacher that that was just like, really, it doesn't serve anything. There's no purpose to it. Yeah, It's just self gratification for the hypnotist. And it's, I have had clients who did uh, went on stage and did hypnosis, don't remember anything, were completely embarrassed after the process and got completely turned off from the whole thing. And it's using hypnosis in a way that's not therapeutic at all whatsoever. It's like, yeah, again, it's just for shock and awe and like self-gratification. And that unfortunately is one of the main Uh, how people are exposed to hypnosis. And who knows, maybe there's a reason for that. (laughs) Maybe there's Mm -hmm. some sort of purpose that that is such a huge um, conscious kind of archetype of what we think hypnosis is in the collective, you know, um, to persuade us or sway us away from the very healing and therapeutic aspects that hypnosis can have for us. Because it has, I mean, if you, majority of our issues in life stem from our thoughts and what we think. It's where it all begins. All begins in the mind. And so if you can control your thinking patterns and your thought processes, then you can control your behaviors, your future, your relationships, And it's such an easy tool. It's like (laughs) so readily available that it makes sense that there wouldn't be a lot of emphasis on the healing modalities through hypnosis. So the past life regression is just extremely different. It's there's, you know, there's the dialogue between the client and the hypnotist alone gives the client agency over their own experience and the client is the one that is doing all the work they're the ones that are navigating their unconscious exploring themselves coming up with their own answers no one's telling them well you know my form of my the way that i do it is i don't tell you what to you know what your experiences are i ask you and you tell me so Yeah, I think that is also, there's a difference of like how much of someone's will is being um, imposed on a client with stage hypnosis and uh, other forms of hypnosis. Yeah. Fascinating. I, this is, this is really cool. I, I, I love the thought that it can be used for, you know, something other than uh, a stage trick or, and I think what you're saying about, yeah, consent is huge. So let's talk a little bit more about how hypnosis and spirituality are connected. I, I loved what you were saying in the beginning about protection with hypnosis and, 
um, sort of having a little bit of an out-of-body experience, maybe with your spirit or something. So can you speak a little bit more to that and what that means to you? Mm -hmm. I will say that first, it's not everyone's technique to incorporate spirituality with hypnosis. There are definitely people who are more on the psychological aspect or spectrum of hypnosis. So it doesn't have to be spiritual. And I think also it depends on people's belief systems. However, the way that I see hypnosis is, and actually to be completely honest, I'm still exploring that for myself. Like I'm still kind of, because I I toggle between both worlds. I consider myself very analytical, but also cognizant of the ethereal plane. I kind of blend the two things but I suppose with past life regression well I will say okay yeah with past life regression for instance when you go into a past life you go through the death process as well and you get to experience what happens to your soul or the soul when it passes and everyone's experiences so far that I've had are very similar there are some outliers, but almost everybody, you know, goes through that process of, oh, they feel the physical aspects of the body dying and then they're out of the body and then they feel great and they feel lighter and then they go into a space that is uh, the void, I call it, which is just nothing been like an expanse of nothing and they all say you know have the same it doesn't feel scary I feel content but there's nothing around I don't see anything it's just black and mm -hmm. then from there there's other experiences of the soul that goes into alternate spaces and everyone goes in different places from there but yeah so that's the spiritual aspect of past life regressions when you go through the death and dying process and speak with people on the other side sometimes people see family members that have passed and talk with them mostly guides spirit guides and get downloads and channel information in that space so like yes it is very spiritual I should say yeah extremely spiritual we get to that part that's the yeah for sure the spiritual process and so it's a fascinating, I am just like fascinated by it. And I am just like, yeah, tell me more. What else is happening? Oh, what do you see now? What does it look like? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that is really fascinating because it almost feels like a way to, I don't know what a better way to say it, but like peek behind the veil, you know, and, and really get a look at or just do some really cool soul travel, it sounds like, which is just, I mean, thinking about that in terms of you leading people through that, that is absolutely incredible that you are able to help facilitate that for people to have those experiences. That's, that's just, that is really amazing to think about. Yeah. I think I like to think of it as I'm helping people know, figure out what to do when we die. <laughs> um, but like, that's just my own little personal kind of, you know, side trick that <laughs> I think is a nice ac accommodation as well, where 
like you know who we're in this in this country in our society the culture that we live in traditionally as americans have no process for like what to do when we die like we just you don't get you know there's no instructions and there's a lot of wandering lost souls all over the place that tells me that they don't know what to do or where to go. So I like to think too that it, I mean, for me, after I went through multiple past life regressions, I was like, ah, I feel like I'll be able to figure it out now. Like I won't be stuck here. Mm. Like I'll know what to do after I leave. You know, you hear all these out of um, like near death experiences that people have when they go through maybe like, car crash and they're just jolted out of their body and they're kind of like wandering around they don't know what's happening and they don't know where to go and they're scared like yeah if i can help teach people what to do and where to go then i think that's just one last lost soul (laughs) yeah That is really cool. Would you be willing to tell us, like you said, you've done a few, obviously, of many multiple past life regressions of your own. Would you be willing to give us a little taste of a past life regression that you have experienced and maybe some things that you were able to come out and be like, oh, that's why I feel this way in in this life? Mm, I think all of them, but all of them I felt that way. But uh, one of them was pretty interesting my so my intention going into it was to understand my relationships better and then also it's interesting because I just threw it in there at the very end I was like and also I want to know what happens in the afterlife I want to explore the other realms and so I went through the first past life I went into I couldn't even go into because I I had a panic attack just being there so I had to get taken out and then went into a different one where I was some kind of a like aristocrat woman who was really into art and beauty um I would say you know a little shallow just like kind of living on the material plane and not necessarily too deep and it for me everything's really vivid so I saw like you know ornate like intricate designs and architecture but I feel like to me that was through the lens of that life like I was able to recognize everything beautiful because she loved beauty so much and she appreciated it so that's something I picked up and And then there was a period or so we get to the last part of her life and she was in a small church in her town. I think it was a Catholic church and she walks in on this priest who was supposed to be a priest, but ended up being kind of like a charlatan fake and was stealing money like I caught him stealing money right before he was about to run away and through that I caught him and he saw me and then he stabbed me 
and then like a monk i suppose like uh i don't know what they're I don't know the names for these things, but it's someone who has like the shaved top of their head and they have mm-hmm. hair around the sides and their yeah. like, brown robes <laughs> came in and had a it was like a really touching, loving connection. And he laid like sat there with me as I died, basically. I was stabbed in the chest. And then I left my body and yeah, in that life, I guess I didn't know what to do because I sat in the church pews and I just had a the image of like night and day, night and day, night and day. And I'm just sitting there day in and day out for like who knows how long. But in that life, you know, I kind of had a bit of a realization of my relationship with that religion, like organized religion and how I am pretty skeptical <laughs> of any religious figurehead or maybe I don't I am aware that they are people that they're just people just like us and they are fallible as well and that they can also lead people or trick people you know for their own self-service yeah and yeah. So I think I got a bit of a glimpse of my personal (laughs) grievances that I came into this life with regarding religious figureheads. Fascinating. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. That is what a cool experience um, and just such an interesting way to be able to observe why in this life we we think some of the things we think and and don't know where they come from, right? It's it's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I want to mention that in all the past lives I've had, I've never been a queen. I've never been like, you know, an influential, huge, (laughs) um, you know, royal or majestic figure. They've all been pretty plain. And that seems to be very common with a lot of my clients too. And a lot of them are like, I thought I would go somewhere more fantastical, but it always ends up being just very related to their life and what they need to see that is actually the purpose and the point of doing regression work. Right. Yeah. I I was, I've been thinking about that for a while. Like we, I feel like you hear a lot of stories about past life regressions where they were either these big, huge figures or led a very fantastical life and all that, which is it's absolutely yes. So many people have had past lives like that, but we definitely need to like acknowledge and know that, yeah, of course, in some past lives, we were we were probably just regular people trying to live our lives, you know, back in the day. So, yeah, I just think it's important to to remember that. Yeah, your some past lives are just going to be they're going to be super normal, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. I would say majority of them are just general, you know, normal, average. Um, but yeah. it's the experiences within those lives that are monumental. Leading people through past lives regression or past life regression. Can you tell us a little bit about what your process is like? Are, when they're led through a past life regression through hypnosis, are they... Like, obviously, I think you said they can still talk to you. Like, how how 
in or out of your body are you when you do this through hypnosis? Everyone is different based off of their background and their experiences with their unconscious world. So some people go really far out. Some people have some subconscious blocks around being completely out of their body, you know, just through history and their comfort levels. And it's also not necessary for everyone to go completely out of their bodies. Um, Everyone's subconscious navigates this experience as the subconscious feels is necessary, I should say. So, you know, some people, like I'm pretty open. I think I'm pretty uh, trusting and fluid to go and very 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 far and very deep um it's like maybe the dissociation in me that likes the experience but i you know some people will have uh somatic bodily responses um that keep them in the body um just to for their conscious like a reminder of like we're still here it's okay um some people yeah, completely lose all sensation in the body. They lose, like they totally dissociate from the physical form. I do, but I also get really extreme energetic uh, waves and feelings. Yeah, the process is really just getting someone into a very relaxed state and everyone is pretty different. Um, Some people require more time. Some people require less time. And through that process, everyone's having their own internal dialogue experience of, you know, calming themselves, you know, figuring out what like feels comfortable, what feels right. But yeah, that's kind of the process. One time, I, which made me realize, oh, yeah, I am journeying somewhere. I was in a hypnosis. I was in a past life regression and it was towards the end. I mean, they, they're kind of long sessions. So it was towards the end. I'm kind of impatient. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This has been a while. I can come back now. And I started having extreme vertigo. Like I was spinning inside of my head and I was like, okay, maybe I can't just come back because I'm not ready to come back. Like it wasn't like the portal wasn't open or something back into my body. So then I had to breathe and relax and say, okay, I'll just like release into the process and keep staying in that space but yeah when I experienced that I was like whoa I'm feeling myself spinning in my body which is such a wild sensation yeah that is that is crazy do you think like hypnosis like this is connected with astral travel at all or are they kind of two separate things okay so that is an interesting question because (laughs) I actually just talked about this on my last podcast episode on lucid dreaming um, because the there is a program that 
the CIA was studying in the late 60s, early 70s, that is designed to help people learn how to astral travel. And it's they use hypnosis to do that. And in the CIA document <laughs> on this program, they're basically confirming that, yes, to astral travel, you use hypnosis techniques to mm. do that. So, yeah, there is there is a correlation, not just because the CIA says so, but, you know, because like it's something that's been researched through a government body since the 70s. So fascinating. Mm hmm. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Every I've, I've heard a few times about sort of the CIA and the FBI doing some research in terms of like using psychics for remote viewing and, and different things like that. And it is it's totally fascinating and, and kind of does feel like a confirmation that like, you know, the stuff is really real and, and our bodies are very powerful, right. you know, places to be. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Crazy. Yeah. I was going to say like, not that we need again, like the government to tell us what's real or what's not but yeah it's just like validating because yeah but they the process for it is very similar it's just relaxing your body relaxing your mind and then it's a process of visualizations and yeah. it's just working with your imagination and your unconscious world i think our it's I, one of the themes that I feel like I'm really like hearing and feeling a lot lately is that our minds are, and in conjunction with our bodies are so, so powerful. There's so much more you can do than wake up and eat breakfast and go and go to work and type your emails, you know, like there's so, so much great, you know, worlds and, and energies to explore, which is cool and inspiring and, and sometimes a little scary, but it's, it's mostly fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So let's hop into astrology a little bit. You studied a lot of astrology based on your bio. And I'm just wondering, what are some of your favorite parts of astrology? Why do you feel like it, it resonates so deeply with you? I love astrology because it is a language that helps people to understand one another through symbolism. And it is, for instance like math. Like I see it as it's very similar to math in a way where you go to, you know, a different country, you go to Italy, the number seven is the number seven. You go anywhere in the world, the numbers remain the same. It's very similar with the planets and the zodiac. The it's a kind it's almost as if it's like a fundamental truth to the basis of our reality and our consciousness because wherever you go mars is mars it's the planet the red planet in the sky everyone can agree that it's fiery it's passionate the mars myth throughout the world also the same um the god of war the god of passion sexuality um wherever you go venus also the same um, every culture will have their own relationship, of course, to the archetypes based off of their environment, their history, their religions and belief systems. However, 
they still have the same fundamental core belief around all of these planets and signs. And to me, that is like, you know, the Tower of Babel, like what it was built off of is this language that we all have that we can, if we all learn it together, can use it as a way of communicating and bridging worlds. Another thing that you mentioned, which I think is really cool, I'd love to get into is sort of weaving archetypes and planetary myths into your tarot work. Um, And I know a lot of people also weave sort of astrology into their tarot work. Um, And I'm wondering if you can sort of speak more to this planetary myth stuff in in your tarot work. Sure. So in the hermetic tradition, the tarot is broken down by the zodiac. And so in the zodiac, there's what's called deacons. There's three deacons for each sign. Each deacon is kind of ruled by a planet. And so each of these deacons is represented by a tarot card. It's the minor arcana. And so each of those cards will have a planet and a zodiac sign that's associated with that. And you can read the, you know, the archetypal the archetypal myth around, for instance, let's say Mars in Leo, which is where we're going to be headed this week. Mars in Leo, which is associated with, if I'm remembering correctly, the Seven of Wands, is Mars's, right? Passion, war, competition, the the pioneering spirit in Leo, which is pride, glory victory and skill like uh competition so when you put those themes together you can read the seven of wands as well this is a victory card you're winning you have a lot of spirit you have a lot of competition and like competitive spirit you have a lot to prove for yourself or you want to prove something so that's yeah my process Wow. I love that because it it really weaves so many different, not different, but it it really is able to put together a few aspects of spirituality space and just put them together so nicely and form a really full message, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I learned astrology first too. So that was (laughs) definitely way easier for me to learn tarot through the astrological lens. Yeah, that is really cool. What do you think about different uh, different forms of astrology? Like you said, across different, there's like a few different, you know, there's Hellenistic, I think, right? And uh, astrology isn't my first uh, my first base of knowledge, but how do you see a lot of similarities between the different types of astrology and astrological wheels that we see throughout the world? Yeah, the again, the fundamentals are the same. It's just the technique is different. So similarly with math, I'm going to use math as another example. You know, you've got geometry, you've got trigonometry, you've got long division. So you've got all these different tools or techniques to, but to incorporate the fundamentals of the planets and the signs and the houses, but you can just use them in many different ways to come to a different conclusion and to figure Mm -hmm. out a different problem 
So it first starts with like, what is the problem or what are you trying to figure out? And then what tool do I use to get to that solution? So cool. I I love also what you said about having sort of overarching themes and throughout different cultures. I think it's so cool that we see sort of, like you said, this universal truth of just like the way people were thinking or the way they were able to pull certain messages and archetypes and thought processes or energies through planets and stars and cards and and all this stuff I just think it is so cool to think about how there is really like I sort of see it as a floating cloud of connection above all of us like there's sort of like all these little firing lightnings and and things that sort of connect us all individually and we're able to sort of all pull from this cool overarching cloud of info but yeah I call it, I say the way I see it is we're, uh, yeah, like similarly, we're all just one mirror fragment on the same disco ball. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Reflecting the light, the same source, the light source in a different direction. I love that so much. Wow. I'm going to keep that. I'm keeping that in my heart. I love it. I love disco balls. <laughs> yes. I feel like disco balls also are really having a moment in decor right now. Like everybody's disco balling everything on like TikTok and Instagram. So love that. <laughs> they that. They yes. their moment. <laughs> Absolutely. What are some things that you wish you knew at the beginning of your spiritual journey? I don't know. I kind of, I quite like the surprises. <laughs> I don't think I really wish I knew much to be honest, because then that would maybe suggest that I regret something. And I don't think that I do. So I think everything unfolded as it should. I love that answer. Well, Evelyn, it has been so great to have you on. I have one last question for you. It's the typical opening the door podcast question. And that is what can someone who's listening right now do in their life to open their door a little bit more to their natural, intuitive, psychic abilities? I think trusting is always a part of the process. Um, Having faith, uh, trusting, but you know, okay, so that's like a loaded thing to say, right? Because you can't fully trust yourself if you're navigating certain anxieties, right? Like, so I guess... What I would say is that getting to know yourself first and foremost is really important. Getting to understand your biological and chemical physiological makeup, getting really in tune with your body and what your body signals are so that you can decipher if something truly is coming from, you know, an intuitive place, a somatic place place like a trigger a trauma what have you and or from you know a channeled like again it's intuition because you know sometimes those wires get crossed sometimes uh sometimes we might be thinking that we're intuiting something but then it's really like just anxiety because we had too much sugar or something so (laughs) You know, we're all human. We're all fallible again. So I think that, yeah, just becoming very aware of your physicality, your body, and uh, not ignoring 
the very strong messaging that the physical body has for us on any given basis. Yeah, I guess that would be my my suggestion. Yes, great suggestion. And I, I totally agree about really getting to know where your information is coming from, because yeah, sometimes it really can, it can be really hard to discern sometimes if it's coming from, yeah, like a trigger or just your own, I can really relate to having too much sugar or caffeine. And then my body's like, something's wrong. And I'm like, no, it's really not, you know? Right. Um, so um, yeah, yeah. Great, great suggestion. And can people find you if they'd like to connect with you further? You can go to my website, themysticparlor.com. And I'm also on Spotify, the Mystic Parlor podcast, also on YouTube, the Mystic Parlor. And my Instagram is evelyn.zool. So you can find me in all those places. Wonderful, Evelyn. Thank you so, so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, follow along on Instagram at Opening the Door Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email openingthedoorpodcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.